Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunandgeeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the birds of prey get defeathered. A surprise at the Oscars. And will the force continue to be with Star Wars? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, and Game Source. We want to truly thank you for listening to all of our great programs and also watching us as well on Facebook Live. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own parasite of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, his great book, Congratulations, You Suck, and his awesome podcast, Topicocalypse. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You know, I was I was wondering, like, what kind of pheasant-based pun you had planned for your Birds of Prey intro, and... That was uh that that was that was pretty good. I'll give you props for that one. The uh, the feathered was uh, it was a nice touch. Thank you. Good job. I know. Well, unfortunately, the birds of prey did get defeathered at the box office this weekend, and we'll talk about some of the reasons why that is later on in the program. Plus, also as well, a major departure at one of the biggest, actually, you could probably say the biggest video game studio. So we'll talk about Dan Hauser leaving Rockstar, and what might that do for the future of that company coming up later in the show as well. And Star Wars, I'm going to talk about Star Wars on the back end of the program. And the reason why is because now that we can kind of close the book on the Skywalker saga and that all the nine films have finished and now we can really see how successful or not so successful was this latest trilogy, the last three films, worthwhile for all the fans out there in our opinion, and also as well, do we think it's going to leave the same kind of cultural footprint going forward for future generations that it has in the past? So we'll talk about that as we close out the show. But first, my friend, it's the Oscars and a big surprise, Parasite. It not only won for Best Foreign Film, but it also won for Best Film, period, which is a first it pulled off a double and also director as well. So best director, best foreign film, and best picture. My goodness, I did not think it was going to be the case. It was the best film I saw last year that was nominated. Of course, the best film I said last year was The Farewell, but unfortunately that was not nominated. So this came in right behind it. I thought it was an extremely well-made film. I thought it's just so enjoyable. I tried watching it the first time without subtitles, 
you do need subtitles for it. I'm going to have to tell you right now, but it does create such a tense situation and a creepy type platform as far as how this family infiltrates this this affluent family, this this poor family does. And I'm telling you, it's a great story. In fact, they're going to extend it even further because they have an HBO deal coming up for a series down the road that's going to extend off the offense of Parasite. So it's been a huge success at the box office worldwide. It won the Oscars. Your thoughts on Parasite taking the Oscars by storm? Okay, see, one, this actually gives me hope for the uh, literacy of, of America, right? If we have to uh, sit there and read subtitles while we're watching this movie. Two, I've heard good things about this. My, my good friend Brian Wegner of the Super BS Games cast had actually been sitting down on our Topic Topicocalypse episode a few weeks ago talking about what a great film this was. So I am, um, you know, I'm. I'm oh, intrigued. you don't trust my word? You don't trust my word? No, we, I mean, I trust your word, but we haven't exactly seen eye to eye on a lot of movies in the past. So, I mean, when I get like a second opinion, I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's a method to Gerald's madness. You know what I'm saying? We cannot count King Arthur as us having a major discrepancy in films. We have one major discrepancy. Well, I mean, that's a, that's, that's, that's a pretty big one, you know? It's a... <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I'm intrigued. I do. This is one that it's so it's funny. All these movies are are just now becoming available to rent. So I've been trying to catch up. I started Ford vs Ferrari last night. I got like 15 minutes into it, fell asleep. But I am going to get to these movies eventually. So I'm catching up. I'm getting there. I'm 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 trying my best. Oh, I almost finished with it too. Knives Out. I just finished that movie. 1917 and Little Women. I still have to catch up with. But yeah, it's been a it was a decent group this year, but. I definitely recommend you going to see Parasite because I, it is worth your time. Okay, is it just just for so I know is it something that I need to watch, like a, a in a, a state of of not being tired? Would I get more out of it? Well, because of the fact that you're reading subtitles, I would say yes. Because of the fact that you know a lot, it takes more attention span to go ahead and understand not only what's going on visually but also read and ascertain what's going on by, you know, following up with the subtitles. So yes, you do not, it is not going to be a late night type viewing because you are going to probably fall asleep just because you have to try and follow the subtitles, whatnot. But this is a really good film, a really well-made film. I'm very surprised that it won, even though it is the best film I saw last year that was on the nominated list. So I just thought they were going to go with 1917 or once upon a time in Hollywood because of the love for Tarantino or 1917 because Sam and Des is, is very much revered. And it was also very highly rated. So I didn't think that they would have the guts to go ahead and go outside the box. It was kind of weird because 1917 was winning most of the awards leading into it. Not all of them. Parasite was winning a few, but again, it's, it's just a great you know thing to see that Parasite took it all this weekend at the Oscars. So I'm very happy and thankful because it is a very good film. Also want to give a big time shout out as well to Brad Pitt, who won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for Best Supporting Actor. He definitely deserved it. Joaquin Phoenix as Best Actor in Joker. I think both of those we predicted, and that was pretty easy to just see that they both were going to go ahead and do it. Uh, Renee Zellweger as Judy, also an easy call. A lot of people were really behind her already. Laura Dern, a marriage story, I thought actually as well. Again, everything else was pretty much on par with what a lot of people were predicting. 
that Laura Dern, Brad Pitt, Renee Zellweger, and Joaquin Phoenix would win in their respective categories. But Parasite winning above all the rest at Best Picture and Boong Joon-ho as Best Director, I'm really happy to see them go ahead and go outside of the box and, and also Best Original Screenplay as well. So it pulled off really four great awards and it's well-deserved. Jojo Rabbit won for Best Adapted Screenplay. I liked that film. It was a good film. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was pretty good. Best Animated Feature was Toy Story 4. American Factory won for Best Documentary. Best Costume Design was Little Women. Best International Feature, like we said, was Parasite. Best Cinematography. Hey, get this, my friend. The cinematographer from Blade Runner 2049, Deacons, who had not won, who had been nominated several times and not won until Blade Runner 2049, he wins again for 1917 at Best Film Editing. And if you stay awake for this film, Ford versus Ferrari, I think you realize why the, the film editing part, that part can be easily be understood why Ford versus Ferrari won for Best Film Editing. So it looks like a good list of winners this year. No real, real controversies coming out of it. I think a lot of people are happy with what they saw. I think maybe you could argue 1917, either which way against Parasite. But for me, like I said, I have not seen 1917 yet. That's one of the two I have not seen on the Best Picture list, but I plan to. But of the films that I did see that was nominated, I think Parasite was well-deserving of it. So, you know what? Kudos to everybody at the Oscars. I mean, was there anything that surprised you about the list that was up there? Not really. You know, I'm happy to see that 1917 was up there. And, uh, you know, we knew Tarantino. Just there, There's been so much hype. The movies that made it. There have been hype about those movies ever since they came out. Like people have been like buzzing, you know, they're like the Oscar buzz. They've been saying, oh, this movie's going to uh, definitely get nominated for an Oscar. And they're right. You know, the movies that they people thought were going to get nominated did get nominated. So it's not really anything surprising. There's not really anything on that list that I don't think belongs there or anything that I didn't think would make it. It's an Oscars. You know, it's it's exactly what you thought it would be. Well, we also got to include as well for 1917 that it did win three Oscars overall, not only for cinematography, but best sound mixing and best visual effects. That's probably the biggest surprise for me was 1917 for best visual effects over Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and Avengers Endgame. So (laughs) Avengers Endgame, the biggest movie of all time, the one that has grossed the most money, got only one nomination and it couldn't even win for that. So that's kind of disappointing, especially the fact that, you know, you afford 200, 250, $300 million to all the green screen and CGI and all that. And you couldn't even get it done there. So speaks volumes about what the uh, Hollywood industry maybe thinks of Marvel a little bit underneath the layer there. But again, that's uh, for another day for you and I to talk about probably when black widow comes around again, but I will say congratulations to everyone that won the Oscars. Very well deserved. If you have thoughts out there on who you thought should have won the Oscars or are you glad Parasite won and all the other winners for this evening's Oscars, please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, also as well at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts.
when it comes to movie stars, something, you know, obviously we're seeing with this weekend and the Oscars and all that. I want to ask you this going forward for the movie industry. This kind of is interesting to me because I'm seeing all these movies that are coming up over the next year, two years, whatnot, the vehicles that are being led by Vin Diesel and Tom Cruise and the rock and all that. The only thing is, and I asked you before we went on the air was, can you name any real movie stars? And I say that in quotes that can push and drive a film that are under the age of 35. I know Tom Holland's been talked about as being a movie star. We'll have to wait and see when uncharted comes out. If uncharted is a success, I will say that he's a movie star. But your thoughts on the exact concept of movie stars going forward in the decade to come after all the Tom Cruises and the Rocks and the Vin Diesels get too old to star in their own vehicles. Okay, so I would definitely say Adam Driver could do it, but he's like right on the border there. But that's the thing. If it's a drama, if it's something intense, you're right. He may be able to do that and do that very well, but... Is he going to be able to be your next action star leading man type that's going to push those half-wings and movies? You know, I mean, right now there's not that the list is not strong after you get past maybe even him, Tom Holland. How do you how do you feel about Arnie Hammer? I think I feel about Arnie Hammer the way everybody else feels like Arnie Hammer starts with two words, Lone Ranger, and then goes into you know uh, I'm not sure. There's just very few names of younger stature, male or female, that are at this point in time. People just want to go ahead and see their their face on a poster and say, "You know what? I got to go check out that film." Robert Pattinson. Who knows? Then when Batman comes out, he could be the next action star. Michael B. Jordan is another one that you know, if he were able to break outside of the the Rocky franchise, he could be huge. Uh, what, what's the well, guy from? That's very good. What's the, the kid the kid from Dunkirk? Uh, Ty Sheridan Sheridan Or else was well maybe the guy from uh, you know uh, that just finished playing Rocket Man. You know yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So I, I I mean there are some choices, but you know you just I you know I know it's it's becoming more of a vehicle driven, more of a it, it uh, franchise driven. That's the way Hollywood is trended. Old- Right. And you have a lot of these actors, you know, if example, Vin Diesel, Sylvester Stallone, um, Dolph Lundgren, even like these these actors who they they're not they're getting ready like they had their comeback. Right. They had their moment. They they were the 90s action style films were popular again, but now they're starting to phase themselves out. But, uh, you know, they're the up and coming actors. You're right. We don't get. We don't get to see them a lot because they don't really get the opportunity to do these. Like a lot of the younger actors, they're doing indie films because there's no place for them in these big, these big Hollywood blockbusters. Like, look at uh, what was the announcement that Indiana Jones five is coming out and it has Harrison Ford. When is there an opportunity opening for a younger actor? There's not like Disney with John Boyega and Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley. Like, and um, what's the his name? Oh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, so I mean, they that was that was almost unheard of that they cast people, you know, relatively new faces like that in a movie, like uh, in a movie. But even you, you know, you look at non-franchise related movies that that make it to the big screen. They're they're not even starring younger people, like The Irishman, right? That has Robert De Niro. It's all these these old time actors being put in these movies, and you're not seeing a lot of it. Like I think, um, you know, for example, Felicity Jones, Andrew Garfield, like when I saw them working together in Amazing Spider-Man 2, I thought they were fantastic. But you, we haven't seen them in anything since that movie came out. 
And that's the problem. I think it's just Hollywood's very reluctant. And you mentioned Indiana Jones 5 is a go. And Kathleen Kennedy said, yes, it's still on the horizon. And Harrison Ford is ready to reprise that role. But the problem is Harrison Ford has said that when Indiana Jones dies, you know, that's it. Uh, when he dies, Indiana Jones dies with it. That doesn't allow anybody like, let's say, a Chris Pratt or let's say a Tom Holland the opportunity to go ahead and be the next Indiana Jones, which I think is almost unfair. You're going to have to create a whole new Raiders of the Lost Ark, yes, but with someone that's going to be identifiable with it, that's going to be of a different name or maybe related to or something. They're going to have to conjure something up instead of doing something that maybe people might be more familiar with in saying, hey, you're going to be the next Indiana Jones. That, that to me is kind of unfair in a way. I mean, but you know what? I, that's neither here nor there. I just, I just, it was just something I noticed that I don't see the next generation of movies being like the previous generation of films, where you would go in the '90s when you started going to films, in the '80s when I started going in the films, when the 2000s where you would see Schwarzenegger, Stallone, where you would see uh, even like in the recent past you saw them trying to push Jennifer Lawrence, who is a great actress. She, for a little while, after the success that she had achieved, she was given an opportunity to head some films. But unfortunately, you know, she wasn't successful in many of her outings as well. So it, it's kind of tough to see on the horizon that many stars that you will go ahead and say, I'm going to go see it just because he's in it. Like The Rock. Everybody goes see uh, The Rock because The Rock's in it. And, you know, he can take movies that are not exactly beloved, like Skyscraper or any of the other films that he's done that are like, eh, but he's been able to carry it just based on his star power. That's the thing. I don't see a long-term future for that right now because Hollywood is not building up these younger stars as much as they should. I mean, for every Tom Holland, you have four or five other just as talented stars who are not getting the same shake. Yeah, well, I mean, what about Rosa Salazar? I mean, that was one from Alita Battle Angel. I thought they did really well take older actors but also mix them in with younger actors it almost that movie felt like a a not handing off of the torch but like just a, a kind of a springboard you know the, the, the way in the way that kevin smith gave like ben affleck and matt damon their their starts on the big screen like that i thought alita battle angel did a great job of that but even you know that film will probably never get a sequel because fox is now owned by disney and also the the standards for a movie to do well these days and and merit becoming a franchise are so ridiculously high and it's just no one's willing to take that chance anymore i mean i'm hoping someone like taron edgerton who did such a great job in the kingsman movies and rocketman he can be given that spotlight and maybe they could go ahead and push him or any of the great talented actresses and actors that are out there i mean margot robbie i think she's very close to being that superstar but as we saw this weekend if it's not the right role or if it's not the way that, that people perceive, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, unfortunately, she's not even achieving the kind of success on an every film basis that I think her talent deserves because she's extremely talented out there. When you're considering the younger stars that are out there or the younger movie actors that are out there, actors and actresses, I don't think that they're getting as fair a shake going forward, which is a shame because all these roles, the major roles, these plum roles and these movie franchises are being still head up by these individuals that I still enjoy seeing. And I guess that's the case because we still enjoy seeing the Robert Downey Jr.'s, the Tom Cruise's. Because 
we don't have many alternatives at this point in time because Hollywood, I want to say maybe in the 2000s, but also as well in the last decade as well, did not do a great job of building those younger stars up and making them just as important as the stars before them. Think of it like a, a, let's say like a baseball franchise, my friend. You have those stars that are playing on the team now that are getting the all-star games and winning the World Series for you. But you need that great minor league system to go ahead and build up those stars tomorrow once those older stars go away. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. Do you think that, you know, again, we've talked, we've discussed this before, the big Hollywood flicks, these big, um, I guess, you would equate them to to AAA games, right? Uh, do you think that the, they're going to fade out? Because the younger talent, they are in the indie films. So do you think that it's going to get to the point where the box office numbers and theater uh, sales go so low that these studios are going to have no choice but to start going to the younger talent that they had cast aside so many years ago? You know, they're going to have to. They're going to have to, right. And like I, I always look at it like, Taylor Kitsch was uh, someone who's supposed to be a huge star, but the moment that these younger actors disagree with me, if you want to, but like, say there was an older actor like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody doing John Carter, right? If that movie tanked with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, he'd be fine. Nothing, nothing would happen to him. They would still cast him in movies. But because, because there were, was a like, situation, I mean, the nineties, I mean, for every bomb that Stallone had or Schwarzenegger had, they would have a hit right after it. Yeah, Rambo was a train wreck. The last one that came out was a train wreck, and still, Sylvester Stallone has like five films he's slated to release within the next three years. So, it, it's they there if you you're taking so much risk as a young actor, and there's no motivation to want to do studio films. Like you're better off. Like Taylor Kitsch is in all these these low budget indie films, and he's amazing in them. But he's just there's no point in doing big budget films because there's so much on the line if you're if you're a young talent and now they're pushing all of the young talent out of Hollywood and they're going to have no choice but to go crawling back to them on their knees begging them to be in their films you know it's the same thing with uh, what you know Arnie Hammer and then you have what's the Aaron Aaron Johnson the guy that played uh Quicksilver like he was he was huge in when when Kickass came out he was in a lot of movies and now we just don't see him anymore so it's i don't we know we may like, see him uh, again though we may see him again in WandaVision Right, right. But it, Hollywood is doing this to themselves. You know, the, the reason that they're not going to have new talent is because they're pushing them out. It's it's become such a cutthroat industry and they're doing anything they can. They're bl- they like to blame it on anybody but themselves when something flops. And I think because of their inability to take responsibility for things, they're going to lose. I mean, the, the industry is going to implode on itself. It's like Steven Spielberg said, the future of film is in the indie industry. And also as well in streaming, because as the numbers decline at the box office, more streaming entities will become, they'll become more important. I mean, the Netflix is the world, Disney Plus, you consider Amazon Prime, Hulu, whole nine yards. Even what we heard this week that Viacom is now considering combining all of its forces and all of its entities into one super platform beyond what CBS All Access is at this point in time. So it's something I think a lot of people need to consider is, okay, when you go to a film or when you go to a box office 5, 10, 15 years from now, are you seeing it for the individual like people did back in the day or are you seeing it for the franchise? And I think that question going forward is going to be more and more important as the years go on and, and the tastes and the, the way people go ahead and perceive films. And 
like you and I talk about, as things get more expensive and as going to the theaters gets more expensive, we get more selective on what movies we want to go ahead and see. So definitely having those younger stars put out into the forefront and being more out there and being more or, or getting better roles in this environment that may have gone to these older actors every now and then start mixing up more and giving those younger actors more and actresses more opportunities to go ahead and become the stars for the future. So we can go ahead and not only just say, Hey, what's coming up for Marvel, what's coming up for DC, what's coming up for star Wars, but we want to go ahead and say, Hey, what's coming up for this individual, the actress or actor as well. What are your thoughts out there on what we were talking about when it comes to movie stars and the future of movie industry in Hollywood? Share us your thoughts at any point in time at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter or Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Before we head on out, my friend, as far as for the first half of the show, I just want to go ahead and give people an update on Birds of Prey like we were talking about on our Friday show. Didn't do quite as well as I thought it would do. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't meet expectations. $33 million domestically and only another $50 million internationally. It hasn't even made $100 million worldwide, which is substantially less than what DC and Warner Brothers were hoping. It is the lowest opening for something in the DCEU. So I ask you, my friend, it is getting decent word of mouth. The cinema score is a B plus. So whoever's going to see it is enjoying it. The problem is not enough people are enjoying it. Okay. Okay. Did you say that it was going to do really well? Like you're predicting it was going to do. Really I, I well? thought it was going to do. I thought it was going to do about twice as much as because it, it was predicted to do right around forty five fifty, and I thought it was going to actually do fifty five to sixty. I really thought people would would be really energized by going and seeing the only the second big theater film of twenty twenty. I mean, Bad Boys for Life has done really well. I really thought this would follow suit, but unfortunately, that's not the case. And worldwide, I know in Asian markets, I know there's obviously the issues and concerns due to the coronavirus that are bringing the numbers down a little bit. But domestically, I'm just kind of disappointed at the returns there. You know, and I, I kind of stated this on the last show we did was the fact that I think they overestimate the uh, the star power or the, the selling power of Harley Quinn. You know, I, Suicide Squad was not a great film. But Margot Robbie was outstanding in it. But I don't think it was a great idea to let her headline her own film. You know, if you're going to do a Birds of Prey film, have it be a Birds of Prey film. Don't have it be Harley Quinn's, you know, yada, 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 whatever the, the rest of the title of the movie is. Have it be something that's based on, have it be what it was meant to be. You know, don't sell it as a, as a Harley Quinn film because people don't care about Harley Quinn as much as we think. Deadpool already had a huge fan base for a very, very long time, whereas uh, Harley Quinn's uh, fan base is not as is not as you know doesn't go back as far as Deadpool's does. So I kind of think that they overestimated how much people like her and how much money that movie would bring in. And I just I don't you know as I've stated before, I don't think it's a great idea to release that before the Batman, especially on the heels of movies that that were successful you know shazam give or take was was mad but i mean it wasn't terrible aquaman really good wonder woman really good wonder woman uh 18 or 1984 is going to be i'm predicting it's going to be pretty good so it's it seemed rather risky to put a movie like this out in the midst of them trying to rebuild because this feels like it was a huge risk 
I know I've said that twice, but yeah, I just I don't think it's a great idea for them to push this movie so soon. It's disappointing because it's doing even less numbers than Shazam, and Shazam disappointed at the box office, even though that is getting a sequel. And you said it was meh. I said it was less than meh. I mean, we both didn't think very highly of Shazam. And to see the numbers, you know, less than that is kind of, it's actually very disappointing to me. And it all goes back to what we were just talking about in regards to movie stars. I mean, Margot Robbie is one of those potentials that, you know, you could head films with. And this is not going to help her cause that much because even though she did get nominated for an Oscar, you know, she's it was supposed to have a great weekend this weekend. It didn't unfortunately turn out to be the case on either accounts. So, uh, and the, for future, even though she is an extremely talented actress, it's just a shame to see, you know, and her not get that opportunity to be followed on, on the extent that I thought she would be in Birds of Prey because it did so poorly. Maybe it was the R rating. I don't know. It just... I didn't think that would be an issue or a barrier anymore to success after what we've seen with Deadpool and the Joker. I did not think an R-rated comic book movie would have that type of issue, especially because it emulates so much with the fighting style of John Wick combined with the fourth wall breaking of Deadpool. I thought it would go ahead and at least not do those numbers of Deadpool or even John Wick, but I still thought it would still do well enough to go ahead and keep everyone at the DCEU happy. But unfortunately that's not going to be the case. And Warner brothers and DC are going to have to go ahead and retool and rethink about what's going on. Maybe go ahead with suicide squad too. Maybe that can actually raise her character even more because she's going to be such a major part of it going forward in James Gunn's suicide squad too. Hopefully that will go ahead and appease everyone as far as not only having a great performance by her, but also a great performance going forward and something that they can build on for Harley Quinn once again. What are your thoughts out there on Birds of Prey? Are you disappointed at the results that it had over the weekend and that it's going to have going forward at the box office? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Well, my friend, I want to talk to you a little bit about Rockstar because you and I haven't been able to talk video games that much since the dawn of 2020. I mean, there's not been in a lot of action in the video game industry as a whole. It's just been delay, 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 delay. Maybe a little DLC here and there, but mainly delay, delay, delay. Now we hear of some news coming from Rockstar. And that fact that Dan Hauser, one of the brothers that was responsible for heading up and co-owner of Rockstar Games, 
he's leaving for other ventures and, and other you know pursuits and whatnot. So we wish him the best of luck on you know everything he's going to do. But that leaves Rockstar without one of the major foundational pieces going forward. Now, mind you, they're in, you know, he's leaving with a good frame of mind. He's also leaving with in a pretty darn good shape. I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 has sold quite a few copies. And of course, GTA 5 has sold somewhere in the neighborhood or at least shipped over 120 million copies. So it really doesn't suck to be them. So I ask you, my friend, going forward due to the departure of Dan Hauser, how do you think this might affect Rockstar going forward for, let's say, because GTA 6 is on the horizon. Let's put that out there because new consoles are coming out. GTA 6 has to be on the horizon. A Red Dead Redemption 3 in a few years' time as well. And you know they don't make that many games anymore outside of what you see there. Let me ask you this. What do you think is going to go on for the future for Rockstar Games? Okay, so here's my thoughts. It, it could go one of two ways, right? You could have somebody... So he had these grand visions for these games. And remember when uh, Mass Effect, right, was the first ones by those two doctors, right? They had this grand vision for this big franchised universe. And then they sold. I'm sorry, the I was going to laugh when you mentioned the two doctors. I know well, I was, it's funny. I, I, I've told you the E3 story before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, I mean, it could. Those doctors obviously had this grand vision for Mass Effect, and then the money, the money got to them, right? And they're like, oh, if we get, we're going to get rid of this. So what happened with Mass Effect, right? We got Mass Effect Two, great game. Uh, Mass Effect Three, not a great game. Is okay. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, super not a great game. So it could go that way, or there could be somebody at Rockstar that has a better vision for the series, and they could step in and kind of move it in a direction that is kind of evolving with the times, hopefully not to a Battle Royale, because I don't want any more of those. But hopefully it is, maybe it's something that helps evolve the evolve with the times or make the games better. Uh, this guy, what is this guy is going over to Blizzard, right, for Diablo? So, you know, the, the the idea would be, you know, here's the whole thing, right? Like, this is what we see with big, you know, back to talk about big franchises, right? We see the, them, the reason that they become stagnant is because they're not introducing, like we said, new talent into them. So maybe this could be a, a way for uh, bigger ideas to pop up. But then again, you know, once something has developed a formula for selling, people are very keen not to deviate from that formula. So... You know, that goes back to the thing. If we're going to have a Mass Effect, it, we can either have a Mass Effect scenario with EA or we can have something that might be something new that we've never seen before, but probably not. So I'm seeing the, the latter of the two. I think we're always talking semantics when you're talking Rockstar. If Dan Hauser, leave, you know, Dan Hauser leaves and they suffer for it, what is GTA 6's future? Oh my gosh, only 100 million copies sold? Only 100 million copies shipped? Oh, the tragedy of it all. You know, it's not, not like we're going to feel real sorry for them. I think it will take a hit once you have those one of those foundational pieces that's not really, you know, that that's really such a part of, you know, or that really has been such a part of the reason why Rockstar is the where it is now and why it's such a dominant force within the video game industry. I mean, you're obviously going to feel it in some form or fashion, but again, this is Rockstar. If any company in the video game industry any development studio in the video game industry can handle something like that. It's Rockstar. So, I mean, it's not it's not going to go ahead and upset the Apple card to the point where GTA 6 is going to be a turd and 
GTA 6 is going to stink or Rocks or Red Dead Redemption 3 is going to be something a lot of people, you know, a lot of gamers are going to forget. No, this is something that obviously Rockstar will continue their success going forward. To what level, we're not sure of yet. And to what influence that his loss will leave upon the studio, we'll have to see going forward. But I still see tremendous amount of success for Rockstar and also everyone else involved at Rockstar Games. So it's something that I think it's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit evident, but obviously overall in the big picture, it's not going to be something that Rockstar is going to really, you know, get hurt from for long term. What are your thoughts out there on the future of Rockstar Games after Dan Hauser, the co-owner, leaves Rockstar? So what are your thoughts out there on Dan Hauser leaving Rockstar? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we've talked about a lot of great things so far. Oscars, the movie stars, Birds of Prey. I still can't believe, uh, you know, I, I'm so happy for everyone that's involved with the, with Parasite because it is the first foreign language film to earn Best Picture. So I'm, I'm so thankful that they went, you know, that Hollywood went to go out of its way to go ahead and, and just make a choice based off the quality of the picture, not where it's from or how it's made or anything like that. So just uh, great to see them, them, you know, that type of victory happen every once in a while. So, but I want to go ahead and before we head on out, my friend, if you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world seven days a week, we're on radio stations worldwide. Check out our listing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You also see a listing of many of our options as well for podcast apps, because we're on virtually every podcast app that's out there. If you have any questions for the show, please popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmos on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all right there. And if you can leave us that five-star review, when you're on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, we truly appreciate it as well. I know you got a great thing going on with your book, Congratulations, You Suck, plus also Topicocalypse. So can you give everybody an update of what's going on with both of those projects? Uh, yeah, our uh, Topicocalypse Game of the Year episode should drop tomorrow. And also, Congratulations, You Suck. You can pick it up at all major booksellers. Tell your friends, share it, You know, help me, help me get the word out there, help me expand my audience beyond... Uh, you know, just the people on social media who give you a like and then don't actually end up buying it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that would help me out a lot. Help me uh, keep writing and live the dream. I appreciate it. Once again, that is congratulations. You suck. You can go ahead and pick up a copy today at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or pretty much wherever you get your books online. You know, if you got a Kindle, you got a Nook. Hey, download it right there for you. It's right there for you. It's great reading. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. 
playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, my friend, I want to thank you so much for being a part of today's program and everyone out there for listening and also watching the program as well. But before we head on out, a real serious conversation we need to have in regards to Star Wars. Because Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, it's pretty much out of the theaters at this point. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, when you look at the numbers right now, it really didn't garner that much over the weekend. I mean, it's pretty much done with all intents and purposes all around the world. It's it's already seen its full cinematic run. I mean, right now it's a 10th for the weekend and it's earned over $500 million domestically and just a little bit over $1 billion worldwide. It may get to $1.1, kind of thinking it won't, but it'll probably end up somewhere around the uh, 1.07, 1.08 final box office range, which is kind of what the point I want to get into because, uh, well, let me put it this way. Your overall thoughts on this last part of the Skywalker saga, this latest rebooted trilogy, uh, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, now that you've had some time to reflect. I really liked The Force Awakens, and then I feel like Star Wars got too into you know, that meta territory, and they created too much controversy for themselves, and people just got exhausted of that. If you were burning out on Star Wars, you were burnt out even harder listening to people argue about it. And I think Star Wars did a great job of kind of highlighting just how toxic our uh, our fan culture has become. You know, I didn't need to happen. You know, I was stoked. Again, I was stoked to see The Force Awakens. Like, I loved returning to that world. But I think all the controversy that surrounded the the following two entries and all the people arguing over them and, like, the people literally attacking their friends over their opinions on it kind of made it so... I didn't really care anymore. You know, it made me not want to watch it. It made me not really care. So is it something that needed to happen? No, it's not. Did they wrap it up as best as they could? Yeah, they did. And I I would hope that this would be a learning experience. But what this goes to show you also, in my opinion, is that Star Wars off a manufacturing line, it just doesn't work. Despite what that formula, you know, that Disney is always doing. We're going to need to put so many movies out per year. It just, it doesn't work. And not even the actors like that, because I think more than the fans, the actors were not huge fans of these movies. And that's, what's disappointing overall. When you look at it, I mean, for me, there was no real great movie in the mix. If you add in solo rogue one, I mean, none of these films really just stood out in a, really positive way for me. I mean, most of them were just like, eh, they're right. Eh, all right. For the most part, I think like three or four of these movies, I probably said they were like, eh, all right. Seven, seven and a half. They ended up being for me. Rise of Skywalker is probably the weakest of the films, in my opinion, uh, this, this latest batch of Star Wars films, which I know, like you said, it came like almost like an assembly line. In fact, one for a while they were trying to do one every year and we were talking about it pretty much on a yearly basis what's the next one what's the next one what's the next one but it's kind of disappointing in the way that that it's now ended up because it looks like disney may have miscalculated the fans affections for the star wars series at this point in time or or how they perceive it because obviously after the big success of the force awakens and the fact that it earned over two billion dollars worldwide at the box office 
you know, we saw Rogue One that earned over a billion dollars, but it didn't, you know, it didn't generate that much enthusiasm or long lasting footprint. I think a lot of people have some decent thoughts on it, but unfortunately it just didn't translate into humongous box office numbers comparable to what we saw with the force awakens. But Hey, as a side stories, you know, a billion dollars doesn't hurt, but I think where it comes down to is the failures of definitely solo, not meeting anyone's expectations and that disappointing greatly. But again, The Last Jedi and being such a dynamic in the fact that so many people are, are so divi- – it's so divisive of a film. So many people dislike it. So many people love it. I mean the critics for the most part think that's probably the best of the three films, like uh, the major three films in this trilogy, this last part of the tril- – this last trilogy of the Skywalker saga. And then with the fans – I mean, I know how much you dislike the the Last Jedi. I, after so many highs and lows in the film, think it's like I said, eh, wasn't that great of a film to me. But again, you'll talk to other people, and they love that film so much. But that film is so divisive, and it, what I think it hurt, like you said, the toxic culture and the toxic nature of of Star Wars fans as a whole during that film. We saw that come to head. We didn't see it with The Force Awakens. We definitely saw it with the last Jedi and everything that went on with it and so many controversies and so many things that were said and done and, and the things that were done online and all that. I think it definitely hurt the box office on that one because it earned $700 million less than what star Wars, the force awakens did. And I think that's something that I want to talk to you about long-term because again, star Wars rise of Skywalker will end up with less than that, almost $300 million less than what star Wars, the last Jedi earned which is to me, as you, I've told you before, diminishing returns. And to me, that's not a good sign going forward. Now, for the movie part, we're going to take a break, about three, two, three years before we go ahead and see something else in the Star Wars saga, a new Star Wars, you know, I guess, uh, film library, as it were. But the problem is going forward, for every success that is the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and all that, there's going to be these these memories that we have of the previous iteration of star Wars that isn't going to stick with us long-term. And I think long-term 10, 15, 20 years down the line, the generations right after you, my friend, the millennials and lower and younger, they're not going to have those same type of fond memories of the star Wars saga that we do, or at least my generation does. And that's going to be a problem for Disney and star Wars going forward. Okay, so wait, do you want to see something new going forward? Do you want to see... Well, that's like, my, That's going to be my end question. That's going to be my end question. I just want to... Do you agree or not agree that going forward by the end of this decade or even in the next decade, people are not going to have that are going to be, you know, in people that are going to be in your age 10 years from now, the 20-year-olds now, the 10-year-olds now, even, you know, they're not going to have the love for Star Wars that we do or that we did going from all the films that we love so much in the 70s, 80s, and even in the 90s? No, definitely not, because they they should have let it go to a, uh, you know, a younger generation. They, they didn't hand... They didn't hand Star Wars to a younger generation, right? They, they gave it to the older generation, and then they let the older generation destroy themselves over their opinions on it. They should have just started... Let the, Star, let the, the Skywalker stuff go, created a new world, and then tried to bring young fans onto it, you know, bring young fans into the fold. 
and they didn't do that. They tried to cash in on nostalgia, and then they tried to sell nostalgia to a generation of, of kids who didn't grow up watching Star Wars, and that's where they ended up kind of wrecking the franchise. And, you know, not only that is they, they didn't really take time on these films. They didn't really do go through the creative process with them. They just put them on the manufacturing line and sent them out. And I, I, I don't think that future generations will look back on star Wars. If anything, they kind of damaged that, you know, that feeling you got when you watched it, you know, when you turned on star Wars, uh, you know, a new hope empire strikes back, uh, return of the Jedi, whatever it was that when you turn it on and you just, you felt transported, you could feel like this fluttering in your chest, right? You were, you were, you're in this world, you're out of your reality, you're on Tatooine, you were on Indoor, you were on uh, Hoth. Even that you get the same thing when you went to Disneyland, right? And you got onto Star Tours or walked into the Star Wars store. Like you're you're gone. You're not on Earth anymore. But now, like I don't get that when I watch Star Wars. Now I get I get this feeling of of exhaustion where I'm just like, oh great, another one. Now I'm gonna be forced to watch this because I got story OCD, but I'm not really going to get anything out of it. And I think that's the problem. We're just going because we feel like we have to, like we owe the series that, and it's not because we really want to. I mean, that first film, Star Wars The Force Awakens, in this rebooted trilogy, I really think everybody was excited to go see it. I remember you and I were having conversations about it constantly, week, week, week on week, week by week, episode by episode. We were talking about it off camera, on camera, didn't matter. We were really excited to see what was happening with Star Wars The Force Awakens, we were super psyched that J.J. Abrams was directing it. We were very excited for what was going ahead in the future. And then it just seemed to fall apart from there. And that's the problem, I think, with a lot of other people that, you know, when it comes to Star Wars, we're still excited by certain variants of Star Wars when it's done well, like The Mandalorian. A lot of people are excited about The Mandalorian. Obviously, people are going crazy and social media is going crazy over Baby Yoda and all of that. And then when you go to Galaxy's Edge at Star Wars – on both the both coasts, both the left and the right, the west and the east, it's crowded every single time you go. I mean, Jamie did a video from there that he posted the game source, and he, you know, it just showed this huge throng of people there. I went there in December and just had an absolutely outstanding time at Galaxy's Edge. You've been to Galaxy's Edge a lot of times, and it's been very crowded there as well. So a lot of people still have a love for for Star Wars. The thing is, future generations, are they going to have the same kind of love that you and I did? Especially for my generation, which endured through the three, four-hour, five-hour lines to go see the films in the first place. I don't think people are going to go through those kind of hoops anymore. Now that they don't have to, I don't think people are just going to have that same type of love going forward. And as Rob McCallum would say, that same type of cultural footprint Star Wars will not have in the future going forward that it once did. Yeah. And, you know, case in point here. So after Rise of Skywalker, like I came back, told you, I'm like, I'm done. I don't really care anymore. Like, I just I, I just want this to be done. I'm going to watch this movie and then I'm just not going to think about Star Wars for a long time after that because I, I don't care anymore. I'm kind of just exhausted of it. So that was true. And then, you know, I picked up uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is canon in the Disney universe. And it made me care about Star Wars again. Do you know why? Why would that be, sir? Because it was a new character, is a young character, somebody who hasn't been introduced, has no tie to the Skywalkers. You know, he's just he's this character and he's relatable 
and he's a, a character designed for a younger generation and they expanded on sections of the star wars universe that haven't been beaten to death over and over again you didn't have to worry about you know what meta filmmaking you don't have to worry about social messages you could just kind of watch it or play it and it was fun it it did what the original star wars movies did for me and now you know that that goes that's proof in point that you can take star wars and make it feel fresh but we're not going to you know from what i understand this is the next batch of star wars films is still going to tie into pre-existing mythology and that's not really something that you know do it at your own risk the knights of the old republic stuff is is really cool but it's still it's buried too deep in pre-existing lore they need to kind of introduce something fresh if they want a younger generation to care about star wars again and it's going to take more things like the mandalorian and also when we're going to disneyland or disney world hopefully in other disney parks around the world they'll add this as well rise of the resistance i cannot speak enough good things about it I know you haven't gone on it yet, but man, I know you're near enough and I know you get the opportunity. You need to go on that ride because it is an amazing recreation of what the Star Wars experience should be all about because it does make you feel like you're part of the immersed part of the whole Star Wars scene. And that to me is just something that gets lost from time to time. I know it's been lost in the latest trilogy for me, Those ty that type of immersion and I think you've experienced it with Star Wars Fallen Order. I've experienced it somewhat with the Mandalorian and also Rise of Resistance. So there are parts there. There is hope. I, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. There is hope, pardon the pun, for Star Wars going forward. So I don't think it's a lost cause. I'm just saying at the point, at the way they're headed, Disney is in danger of, of you know pushing this Star Wars franchise into a direction they don't really want it to go in. Right. But again, with Disney, they don't this. I mean, I'm probably not the only one who thinks this, but they're very corporate. They don't care. They want quarter one earnings. They want quarter two earnings. They don't care about the creative process. Now, I guarantee you, if Disney were to take Star Wars and give it to a um, put it in the hands of an indie filmmaker, yeah, give it to a new voice, a new generation of filmmakers, I guarantee you that they could create something that people would actually care about but no disney is stuck you know everything has to sell an action figure it has to sell a t-shirt it has to appeal to a certain social group it has to do this this and this like disney has more check boxes than film critics and that is going to be what buries them because they're not letting star wars do what star wars does and by taking people of all religions of all genders of all uh, orientations of all skin colors and ethnicities and taking them to a galaxy far far away and letting them feel like they belong you know they're not doing that anymore it's all strictly marketing and that's what's going to kill them well that's a big subject i think we've talked about when it concerns the future of star wars and i'm hoping oh, I said that hope again i'm 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 Guess would, I'm, would that be a new hope? I know you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I, I'm just saying that I think that there should be a future for Star Wars. I, I, I mean, there will be a future for Star Wars. I'm just worried that the future of Star Wars, it's not as good as I wanted it to be. Because when I leave this earth, I'm hoping that other, I said that word again. I'm hoping, I said that word again, that the future of Star Wars will be as bright 
you know, for, for future generations as it was for my generation, even for your generation, although your generation was blessed with the prequels, which, you know, I think started that downward slide. <laughs> That's a, another conversation, neither here nor there. I mean, even after the, the prequels, there were... The prequels are like meatloaf. If you watch them enough times, eventually they become okay. They become tasty. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll take... I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. But I all I'll say is this, even with the lack of success that the prequels achieved or how they're thought of, so many individuals out there still had so much love. Your age, my age, you know, when Star Wars The Force Awakens was first announced and so many people had so much love for for the series still, even to this point in time. I'm just worried after the last part of the Skywalker saga didn't really end on the notes. I think a lot of people wanted it to end on. I am worried that future generations will not have that affection for star Wars that we once did, which would be a shame because the basic concepts that star Wars should have the basic rules, the basic, you know, the type of things that it tries to teach you about good and bad dark and light, good and evil, those things like that, that nature, just basic things that the first movies in, in the series taught us. I think a lot of people, those things will just, they get lost in the translation and it becomes as bigger action picture, bigger action picture, bigger action picture, spectacle, spectacle. Those kind of storytelling elements get lost, unfortunately, sometimes with these feature franchise, with these franchise films. And I think going forward, that should be a big concern with Disney on how to retain that audience that wants to love Star Wars just as much as they did in the past going forward. What are your thoughts out there on the Star Wars franchise and where it's headed? Do you still have the same hopes for it that we do? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Just you and I hanging out, chewing the fat on pop culture. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yes, we need to do an episode where we talk about all the Netflix and streaming shows that have, have premiered since the beginning of the year. We're getting a lot thrown at us in January and February. And yeah, and it's almost overwhelming, but like there's so much that... I've only been able to watch certain pieces of certain shows at a time just because there's so much to watch. Like last night I started Lock and Key. It's it's a it's a decent show. I don't know if it's enough to keep me salivating for more, but you know, I'd love to to just chat about all this stuff and see like what stuck, what didn't, what did we finish, what did we not finish. There is a lot of content being released in this quarter one here. I couldn't agree with you more. I've been trying to keep up with Star Trek Picard. I did see Warrior. Uh, got some decent things to say about that. It does have a lot of similarities to me as Into the Badlands. I mean, outside the action, it's those dull storytelling points that I think it's, it's kind of detracting from it. Other than that, the action on it is very good. But yeah, what, I think what did you think about the 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 actors? Because they're all relatively new to to the scene so i think they kind of held their parts pretty well and the writing yeah. was, the writing was is pretty good for a show of that caliber you know yeah and i know it's based on the writings of bruce lee himself uh it's based loosely on it uh but to me there's kind of some 
storytelling elements that are not quite there yet, but the actors themselves are quitting themselves nicely. If you get a chance to check out Warriors on Cinemax, go ahead and do so. I mean, like you said, there's been so much thrown at us. It's amazing that anybody can keep up. But we at the Pop Culture Cosmos, we're going to try and keep up as best we can, <laughs> even though that's one tall task indeed. All right, my friends, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. And for everyone out there that was watching, we cannot thank you enough as well. Hopefully you keep in tune to us on all of our social media and also check us out with all of our shows available everywhere you get your podcasts. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Do you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free, as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.